Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.02 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 7th of July, 2021. This is episode 451 of Bitcoin, and my rooster is crowing in the backyard, so we may be interrupted from time to time. Not sure if my noise gate will cut that out. It certainly won't cut it out if I'm talking and he he decides to start going off being the cock that he is. Ah, I get it. (laughs) You know, rooster, whatever, dude. Okay. All right. So what's going on today? You want to find out? Well, Pomp apparently... Um, tweeted out that this Allied Payment Network was going to partner with NYDIG or something like that. And of course, like many of us in this space, we are not just now finding out about all these companies and all these things that were like, you know, underlying the financial networks that we never knew about. And we're all uncovering all this crap together. Um, and Allied Payments Network is is actually a thing because, you know, people were kind of chastising Pomp going, who the hell's Allied Payments Network? Well, they're bigger than we, you know, bigger than I thought. And I've got this one from coinspeaker.com. It's being written by Benjamin Godfried. Uh, Allied Payment Network joins forces with NYDIG to help institutions offer Bitcoin services. <clears throat> The link-up between Allied Payment Network and NYDIG is expected to help meet the growing demand for crypto and BTC-related services. Uh, Allied Payment Network, a provider of emerging digital payments technologies to the financial service industries, has announced its partnership with Bitcoin technology provider NYDIG to bring avenues for institutions to embrace and offer uh, Bitcoin services to their customers. According to the official update, the partnership will lit a broad range of financial institutions offer their clients access to trade and hold Bitcoin. The embrace of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general has continued to grow in the past decade and more so. In the year ago period, per a 2021 Mercator Advisory Group study, the cryptocurrency industry has witnessed as much as a 207% growth in the past decade beginning in July of 2010. While this figure may be a conservative one in reality, Both the institutional and retail demand for cryptocurrencies have skyrocketed. The link up between Allied Payment Network and and NYDIG is expected to help meet this growing demand. The former outfit will extend its influence as a pioneer in providing bill payments by offering the ability to buy, sell, and gain other forms of exposure to Bitcoin. Quote, Allied's primary focus is to make it easier for financial institutions to provide value-based technology that differentiates them in the marketplace, attracts new depositors, retains through high engagement, ooh, that's a bad statement there, and generates revenue, said Ralph McCurley, founder and CEO of Allied. Quote, providing access to Bitcoin does just that and is a game changer for many community institutions that are struggling to compete. In quote, NYDIG is one of the few regulated crypto entities with a robust infrastructure to act as a reliable partner for many other firms. The partnership will also see Allied Payment Network stack up Bitcoin on its balance sheet through NYDIG. Oh, so they're going to hold it on their balance sheet. Nice. Patrick Sells, head of bank solutions at NYDIG, also commented on the newly forged relationship, quote, our partnership with Allied will enable financial institutions to bring Bitcoin to their customers in a secure, compliant way. Together with Allied, We are excited to help financial institutions compete and to help consumers get seamless access to Bitcoin via their existing trusted relationships. Industry composability or the ability for one of several firms in the broader crypto 
currency industry to function together is key towards the long sought mainstream adoption for Bitcoin and other altcoins to attain maturity. Startups must join hands to cushion one another in a complementary way. While the entire industry is still developing, so are the products that are being hurled at customers. The offerings one platform offers may not necessarily be what a broader niche of consumers want, and functional partnerships can notably help achieve this. In a bid to push out new tokens to the global audience, projects like Casper Network and more recently Efinity have partnered with CoinList to raise funds through public token sales. Oh, Jesus. While these are typically not the only forms of partnerships around, their obvious success rates are indicative of how many interpersonal relationships amongst crypto projects can help boost the growth of the ecosystem. All right, so Benjamin, that last paragraph notwithstanding, thank you for uh, you know bringing bringing a little bit of levit or uh, bringing a little bit of light into what the hell's going on with Allied Payments. So that's is it good for Bitcoin? Of course, it's good for Bitcoin. I mean the the look <clears throat> we can all get all you know freaked out that russia doesn't like something or china doesn't like something but you can not like something like a weed as a farmer and the longer you let that weed grow the harder it is to kill it because it's got more and more root structure in the in the ground and it becomes much much difficult to pull cultivate out or poison and that's just the way that goes. And I see Bitcoin growing like a weed, unlike anything that I've ever seen in my backyard. I'll give it that. In wider merchant adoption news, backed B-A-K-K-T partners with Wyndham Hotels Rewards to expand travel offerings. This is out of Business Wire. Oh, a Berkshire Hathaway company. <laughs> Alpharetta, Georgia. Backed Holdings LLC or Backed. The digital asset marketplace behind the Backed app announced a partnership with Wyndham Rewards, the award-winning loyalty program of Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, to allow program members to link, view, and redeem their Wyndham Reward points with a Backed app soon. Named the number one hotel rewards program by readers of USA Today, Wyndham Rewards will integrate with the Backed platform, which allows users to easily convert loyalty currencies like points to cash, Bitcoin, or discounted credit cards sorry, gift cards. In addition, backed users will also have the ability to pay with points directly with a growing ecosystem of merchants. Integration of Wyndham Rewards with the backed platform is expected to be completed later this year with a number of backed features becoming available to Wyndham Rewards members at that time. Quote, more than ever, we want to make digital assets as liquid as any fiat currency. Ooh, she's even using it. <laughs> yeah, the Fed doesn't like us calling it fiat anymore so that they become more accessible and easier to use, said Sheila Zemlin, Chief Revenue Officer at BACT. Quote, through our strategic relationship with Wyndham Rewards, we're excited to provide their members with new redemption choices and increased flexibility. As with all BACT partners, our goal is to delight their members by helping them use points in new and unexpected ways. BACT aims to help its partners like Wyndham facilitate new customer experiences by acting as a bridge to innovate payment solutions and expanded use cases for loyalty currencies. Backed accelerates the growth of enterprises by providing a frictionless customer journey to access the diverse spending options held in cryptocurrencies, loyalty and reward points and gift cards. Quote, with more than 87 million people enrolled in Wyndham Rewards members around the world, we've constantly, we're constantly looking for new and meaningful ways for members to seamlessly engage with our program, said Elliot Hamlish, Executive Vice President of Loyalty and Revenue Optimization at Wyndham Hotels and Resorts. Through a host of new redemption opportunities, BACT helps to elevate the value of Wyndham Rewards points to existing members while simultaneously allowing us to engage and enroll new travelers who may not yet be part of our program, end quote. Innovative brands like Wyndham are leveraging new and emerging digital technologies to accelerate brand engagement <clears throat> and heighten customer satisfaction. Backed will handle all integration, support, and reconciliation directly with enterprises on the Pay With Points platform, removing obstacles, expanding customer buying power, and expanding how consumers can use their rewards. 
All right, so dude, Wyndham Hotels and Resorts is not not something to be trifled with. Um, <laughs> they're a huge outfit. Oh, we're talking hotels in like every country, every state in every country. You know, you know, almost every city in every state in every country that has like more than a you know few hundred thousand people. Big, big outfit, guys. And if they're going to like leverage Bitcoin against their rewards program, that could be huge. Because especially when, when she says more than ever, we want to make digital assets as liquid as any fiat currency. What I believe she's really talking about, and she may not know she's talking about this, is the payment rails. And just think of Jack Mallards and what he's doing with, with the Strike app, where he's sending fiat currency in one version that can be like sent and picked up by somebody else around the world in the same currency or even a different currency by using bitcoin and lightning network rails all right so if backed is taking that same kind of standpoint we're what we're seeing is a use case of you know of bitcoin grow out of something that probably two years ago nobody ever even thought of except maybe jack mallers but I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about sending fiat via Bitcoin. So what does that mean? Dude, that's huge. If you start getting a whole bunch of these companies that are like going, hey, let's just attach to the rails and we'll still use fiat, then all of a sudden that block space becomes mighty, 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 mighty valuable. And the Lightning Network and the Liquid Networks become very, very valuable. And if you own a block space on the Bitcoin network, like you know many of us do insofar that we hold Bitcoin, that's, that's something that I don't think we really thought about. And it also allows the possibility that nation states might not get all that pissed off at us because the network that that we enable enables their fiat bullshit currency to stay alive longer. See what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think that's about all I need to say about that. I, I think fiat currency, you know, at, at the dying creature that it is being given one last breath of life may very well be uh, sort of acts sort of like a blade of armor, just like shit coins do to Bitcoin and the regulatory landscape. Also, again, we have another one. World famous hotel chain, Pavilions Hotels and Resorts to accept Bitcoin payments. This is Bitcoin Magazine and it's Nick Hoffman writing. Starting today, July the 7th, the world-famous Pavilions Hotels and Resorts will begin accepting Bitcoin uh, as payments, says Managing Director Scott Toon. The announcement also stated that they have partnered with CoinDirect in Britain to allow guests to pay in BTC while booking their stays across Europe and Asia. Customers will also have the option to purchase properties on the Thai resort island of Fuckit in, in Japan using Bitcoin. Accepting payment in Bitcoin has become increasingly popular over the past few years. And as we move further into the digital age, mass adoption seems imminent. Toon agrees and even stated, quote, cryptocurrency is something that pavilions saw is going to be around forever. It's not going away anytime soon. And people are adopting it more and more over the last couple of years. People are taking it on in the retail sector. So it made sense for us to in the travel sphere to also take it on. It's exciting times to be able to see more and more people adopting cryptocurrency for businesses. Tune added, you're going to see more and more in the travel sphere adopting cryptocurrencies as a form of payment, end quote. Tune also addressed the volatility of Bitcoin by sharing his thoughts on how fiat currencies also experience price fluctuations and that it is just part of international business. Pavilions will either hold or sell Bitcoin they receive as payment, depending on what they see fit at the time. One can only assume they may hold nearly all the Bitcoin they receive and sell only when necessary to cover costs. Over the past year, central banks have been printing money like crazy. Expanding the monetary supply, especially like this, is going to result in currency devaluation and inflation. And they show a Fred M1 money supply graph that basically just meanders along until right around 2020 and then everything gets weird and i thought it was weird in 2008 when they were 
doing hundreds of billions of dollars of QE at a time. And I'm like, you ain't seen nothing yet, pal. Ending this world famous hotel chain is choosing to get paid and store some wealth in the hardest money humanity has ever had. One where the supply is 21 million BTC and not a single Satoshi more. They do not have to worry about a central bank printing away their earnings any longer. Yeah, so not one, but two major hotel chains that are international in scope are adopting Bitcoin. Everything's, and, and, and so why isn't the price doing what we think it's going to do? I don't know, man. I don't get it. At least we're up a little bit today. So maybe, maybe they'll get, maybe the traders will just stop jacking around. We've got some consolidation news later on in the show. Anyway, BlockFi to start shipping Visa-backed Bitcoin reward credit cards. <laughs> BlockFi. I wonder if they're going to reduce their uh, how much they pay out like on a whim every once in a while, like they do with their uh, Bitcoin-backed um, loans and whatnot, and and you know I'll, how much interest rate you get on them. Okay, Coin Telegraph, <clears throat> Erhan Karaman. <clears throat> New York-based crypto loans and savings startup BlockFi launched its Bitcoin Rewards credit card today. The card is available to select approved customers in the United States waitlist. Officially named BlockFi Rewards Visa Signature Credit Card, the card was first announced at the end of last year by Visa and BlockFi. Available to use anywhere Visa is accepted, the card allows its recipients to earn 1.5% back in Bitcoin instead of airline miles or other cashback rewards. Earned Bitcoin rewards will be transferred to cardholders' BlockFi interest account. Ugh. Initial reports were saying that the card would have a $200 annual fee, but BlockFi took a U-turn on that decision in May, and the card launched with no annual fee. Cardholders are eligible to earn 2% in Bitcoin on annual expenses exceeding over $50,000. For example, if a customer spends $60,000 within a year, they will receive 2% of the $10,000 expenditure in BTC. BlockFi's credit card also offers familiar perks for the crypto ecosystem, such as trading bonuses and a referral program. The card is issued by Evolve Bank and Trust. Terry Angelos, SVP and Global Head of FinTech at Visa, noted the crypto rewards programs are a compelling way to welcome users to the crypto economy, and Visa is excited to see more examples of them. Almost everybody knows cryptocurrencies' roles in reshaping the financial space, added BlockFi co-founder Flory Marquez. Quote, this card will make it easier than ever for people to earn Bitcoin back while making day-to-day -day purchases. Visa is, known, is a known explorer of cryptocurrencies to broaden the adoption of digital currencies in general. As Cointelegraph analyzed in detail, Visa's public affirmation of its positive stance towards cryptocurrency payment services reflects its drive to remain a leading player in the global payment network. Now, let's attach that story back to what I was saying about just using the, the Bitcoin and Lightning Network and Liquid Rails for payments in the fiat world. And all of a sudden, you start seeing the value of the network all by itself without the token. Not saying that you don't want the, the Bitcoin token. Of course you do, because that enables access to the whole damn network. But what I'm saying is that these people more and more are starting to recognize that they can just switch over or that they, that they will start to recognize that they can just switch over from whatever rails they're using right now to a much more efficient system that is much more globally distributed because, well, it's, I mean, the, the nodes are everywhere. You know, like Lightning Network is like, it's just all over the place now. Just look at a graph of, of where the nodes are in the world and it's just like this web. Why wouldn't you want to start accessing and leveraging that network that we built? They didn't have to build it. We built it. They're going to start leveraging it. And it's going to be lucrative for all the people that have been early adopters and believers in Bitcoin. And it's our mission to push it forward. Just keep on going, man. Keep on going. <clears throat> All right. Bitcoin price consolidation may be nearing the end, an indicator suggests. This is out of Coindesk. It's Omkar Godbowl. Bitcoin may soon move out of its seven-week trading range of $30,000 to $40,000. 
with an indicator tracking the cyclical nature of price volatility, suggesting a big move is overdue. Bollinger bandwidth, a measure of volatility calculated by dividing the spread between the Bollinger bands by the 20-day average of the cryptocurrency's price, has declined to a two-and-a-half-month low of 0.15. The cryptocurrency saw big moves in December and April after the bandwidth fell to 0.15. Bollinger bands or volatility bands placed two standard deviations either side of the 20-day average of price. Bitcoin dropped from 60,000 to 48 grand after the Bollinger bandwidth dipped to 0.15 in mid-April. A similar reading in December paved the way for a bullish breakout from the multi-week price consolidation below $20,000. The cryptocurrency saw big moves during the 2017 bull run each time the bandwidth narrowed to 0.15. Moves signaled by Bollinger bandwidth are direction agnostic as history shows. It means the anticipated change can be bullish as well as bearish. The forthcoming grayscale unlockings and blockchain data pointing to renewed buying by wealthy investors indicate that this time the move is likely to be bullish. The upside is expected to gather steam above the 50-day moving average resistance, which currently sits at $36,000. Quote, we expect buyers to step in above the 50-day moving average. Katie Stockton, founder and managing partner of Fair Lead Strategies, said in a weekly research note published on Monday, quote, a breakout above the 50-day MA would indicate a test of $44,000 to $45,000 resistance. A move below $30,000 could bring deeper losses, she said, indicating that is a less likely outcome. While concerns of an early scaling back of stimulus of the Fed, by the Federal Reserve pose a downside risk, the minutes of the Fed's June meeting scheduled for release at 1800 UTC on Wednesday are likely to be as hawkish as the June policy statement. Quote, between weaker U.S. data and the Fed's desire to temper hawkish bets, the Fed minutes could sound more cautious and balanced than the FOMC statement and Fed projections, BK Assets Management's Kathy Lean said, according to FX Street. According to some analyst, <clears throat> analyst, Bitcoin digested most of the negative news during the mid-May sell-off from 58 to 30K. As such, the downside, if any, appears limited. Bitcoin is trading near 34,700 at press time, representing a 1.6% gain on the day, Coindesk 20 data show. So, yeah, maybe we'll break out of the consolidation. Who knows? I just, uh, you know, I'd rather it not break lower, but if, if you've been in the space for any length of time, you expect it, and then you welcome it when it doesn't do that and break either moves straight sideways or breaks out to the upside. We'll have to see. We'll just have to see. Moving on, FinCEN brings Michelle Corver as first chief digital currency advisor. Bitcoin Magazine has this one. It's written by Namcios. The United States Financial Crimes Enforcement Network announced today that Michelle Corver, previously in the U.S. Department of Justice's Digital Currency Council, will serve as FinCEN's first chief digital currency advisor. Quote, Ms. Corver will advance FinCEN's leadership role in the digital currency space by working across internal and external partners towards strategic and innovative solutions to prevent and mitigate illicit financial practices and exploitation, the announcement read. In her new role, Corver will advise FinCEN Acting Director Michael Moiser on Bitcoin's activity in financial crimes seeking to shed light on the nuances of cryptocurrencies and criminal activities. In fact, before joining FinCEN as acting director, Mosier worked at blockchain analysis firm, you guessed it, Chainalysis. Quote, Michelle brings a wealth of digital currency expertise and will be a tremendous leader in coordinated efforts to maximize FinCEN's contribution to the innovative potential for financial expansion an opportunity while minimizing illicit finance risk, said Moisier per the announcement. If Corver maintains her current stance on the matter, Moisier is set to receive an interestingly positive perspective. She wrote a section in the DOJ's Journal of Federal Law and Practice earlier this year alongside Alexandra Camoli, highlighting 
how the usage of BTC in illegal activities is inversely correlated to Bitcoin adoption. Quote, in the early days of cryptocurrency, a great deal of activity was tied to illegal conduct on the dark web, which is why the shuttering of dark web marketplaces could impact the value of Bitcoin, Corver wrote. But, big but, as mainstream adoption of cryptocurrency has grown, the percentage of transactions used to promote or conceal crime has decreased. It's inversely correlated there, people. So that's a good sign, at least for now. Okay, so she's not, she's looking at, at Bitcoin as, you know, she's looking at Bitcoin as inversely correlated to, you know, criminal activity versus adoption. What it really means to me <laughs> is that all the people in the in federal positions that just look at us as straight up criminals and they do don't 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 mistake that they do uh they didn't used to but they do now uh we have at least this one person who un, who not who at least illustrates not understands she may not understand but she at least illustrates the actual fact of humanity most people are actually good people I know it's hard to believe right now when you're looking at the news and all the crazy shit that's going on. But honestly speaking, most of humanity are actually good-natured and good-hearted. The fact that we can be led around by the nose and sheared like a sheep is another matter entirely. But all things being equal, and if we didn't have all these weird pressures of people trying to scare us to death for the last, oh, I don't know what, 20 years, uh, generally speaking, people are good not interested in breaking into somebody's house to steal their shit, kill them, rape them, do all that, all that crap. Most people don't want to do that. So what's this inverse correlation? Well, the more people of, you know, the more of the general population that get into Bitcoin, the more it's overrun by people who are not interested in committing crime. You know, almost everything that first comes on the market is, you know, not everything, but like, Stuff like drugs. Drugs were like, you know, like a kind of a, a, a cult following for, you know, like, in, in, and I'm talking about America, right? You know, the in, like the introduction of cocaine, you know, it was underground. And then it went right widespread in the 80s. I mean, in the 70s, it's, it was probably kind of hard to get a whole bunch of cocaine. And in the 80s, shit was everywhere, man. Heroin? probably used by just a, you know, a, a, you know, a very, you know, kind of a few people. And then it just exploded on the streets and became like, you know, awful. It was an awful thing. But if we look at something like Bitcoin and people start getting attracted to Bitcoin, they start getting into it. They're also bringing the fact that most people are, are kind of good. You know, criminals may have used it in, in like, you know, in the early days, but it's a use case because I'll tell you this. If your hooker or your drug dealer does not accept your money, it's not money. They do accept Bitcoin. We saw that with Silk Road. And Silk Road sold a whole bunch of other stuff that weren't drugs, right? It was just one of the things. You know, there's a whole bunch of people in the adult entertainment industry, and I, I guess that would include prostitution. I don't know if it's fair to say that or not, but a lot of them accepting Bitcoin now. Or they, or they were. And so, like the police and all that, all those people, they'll look at that and say, look, criminal behavior. Like, no, that just looks like adoption of something that these people consider to be money. And they used to pay, you know, greenbacks and U.S. dollar bills and yen and euros and British, you know, great British pounds and <clears throat> the yuan. And they used to use the, your crappy fiat money to do the exact same thing. And they were doing it for decades, two centuries. So don't tell me how Bitcoin is used for only criminal activity. It's, it depends on the person. It's just a tool. I can use a hammer to build a house or I can use a hammer to do really awful crap with. It's just a tool, people. Let's run the numbers. CNBC.com futures and commodities. <clears throat> Looks like uh, flammable liquids got the wind sucked out of its sails sometime yesterday. They're back up this morning, but 
OPEC news came out, said, you know, there's a whole bunch of news that OPEC is in danger of crumbling and all this kind of crap. And they're, they couldn't agree on a deal for production. And it really sucked the wind out of oil and gas. But it looks like there's some recovery today. West Texas Intermediate, 1.63% to the upside, coming in at $74.58. Brent North Sea is also up 1.6%. It's coming in at $75.74. Nat Gas, 1.26% to the upside, $3.68 gets you 1,000 cubic feet of that. And gasoline futures up 1.29%, $2.25 a gallon on that. Shiny Metal Rocks also having a day. Gold is up almost a point, $1,808.80. Silver is up 1.3%, back to $26.50. Platinum up 1.16%. Copper up 2%. And palladium up almost as much as copper at 1.82%. Most of the agricultural futures are up. Soybeans are up by 2.66%. And then everything else is kind of meh, except for, well, wheat and coffee, which are bo- both over 1% to the upside. Dow Futures, oh, <clears throat> sorry. Dow Futures is meh, 0.06% to the upside. S&P Futures are up 0.2. NASDAQ Futures up 0.6. And the S&P Mini down 0.05. Real money has a price of Bitcoin at 34,866 and a quarter, 225,688 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours. That's 9,500 transactions on average per hour with only 376.9 or seven, sorry, 376,941 BTC being sent in the last 24 hours, which is about 15,700 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 1.6 BTC. The median transaction value is 0.023 BTC, about 810 bucks. Block times are almost normal, guys. 10 minutes and eight seconds. Woohoo, the difficulty adjustment worked. Like it always does, every two weeks, everybody that freaked out about this needs to be ashamed. 0.29 0.29 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 40.87 BTC being taken in fees over the last 24 hours. With a 12.3% increase in hash rate, we are back over 100 exahashes per second. We are, in fact, at 101.9 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator, as always, is Doge, who's not having a day. It's down to 20 cents U.S., doesn't even need to be one penny. 6,680 transactions are waiting on three blocks to clear. $654.9 billion is Bitcoin's market cap, which is 5.5% of gold's entire market cap. And we can now get 19.3 ounces of shiny metal rock with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,750,022.75 of in circulation. The capacity of the Lightning Network is 1,706 BTC, which is worth $59.6 million. Those are being handled over 12,213 nodes that we know about with 52,592 payment channels that we can see. 66.5% of the Lightning Network is now being run over Tor. That is an all-time high. 1,134.76 1,134.76 BTC are in the light, the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and that's being contained in 6,866 nodes that we can see, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. <clears throat> Ukrainian mobile-only bank, Monobank, to provide Bitcoin trading services. Nomsios has it for BitcoinMagazine.com. Ukrainian mobile-only bank, Monobank, will provide its customers with Bitcoin trading services later this month, announced the company's co-founder, Oleg Gorohovsky. The e-bank has already completed its BTC exchange integration and is awaiting approval from the National Bank of Ukraine. 
the executive, a public endorser of Bitcoin, also shared that the new feature will bring a debit card denominated in BTC, allowing users to buy and sell Bitcoin conveniently. Although the NBU's approval is still pending, Gorochowski expects the integration to be released this month. Previously, a deputy board chairman at Ukraine's largest bank, Privatbank, Gorochowski shared the news on his blog-like Telegram channel. According to Tech Ukraine, the executive left Privatbank after its nationalization at the end of 2016 and joined other senior executives to build Monobank. The project was reportedly made possible by a collaboration between Universal Bank JSC and IT consulting firm Fintech Band, having launched in November 2017. If the NBU gives Monobank the green light for its new BTC integrations, Ukraine might see a meaningful increase in Bitcoin activity. With a user base of more than 2.5 million people as of August 2020, Ukraine's first e-bank might bring a more convenient avenue for its clients to obtain exposure to Bitcoin's price, potentially increasing Bitcoin adoption and usage in the country. However, Gorohovsky didn't share much information on customers' ability to withdraw the BTC once the integration is deployed. It remains unclear whether those who wish to take control of their funds would be able to do so. If not, the Bitcoin purchase through Monobank would effectively function as an IOU. The eBank would owe the buyer that amount of BTC and prevent the customer from enjoying true financial sovereignty. On the other hand, if Monobank does end up implementing Bitcoin withdrawal services, then the eBank might not only deepen adoption, but also help spread some of the fundamental principles on which the best form of money was built. On the Bitcoin regulatory side, Ukraine has seen new frameworks be approved recently. The deputy minister of the Ministry of Digital Transformation announced on June the 30th that a draft bill on virtual assets has been updated and recommended for adoption. The main innovations, the deputy minister said, relate to the competencies of the National Bank and the National Securities Commission as co-regulators of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Furthermore, on the same day, the Ukrainian parliament passed new legislation to regulate payment methods, including ones that relate to the country's own central bank digital currency. So, good. Jeez, go Ukraine, man. That's going to be interesting to see unfold. Um, the, the issue of whether or not they will allow customers to withdraw BTC to their own wallets is the most important part of this entire thing. If they don't do it, then do not use this service. If for whatever reason you're Ukrainian and you're living in the Ukraine and you're waiting for this shit to come out, do yourself a favor. Before you buy Satoshi One, you make sure that you can get that shit onto either your own node, your own wallet, whatever, however, as long as you're in control of the private keys and you can get it from Monobank to your own pocket, don't buy a single Satoshi from this bank. And until they make a, some kind of you know announcement on that, uh, we won't know. And even if they do make an announcement on it and they say, yeah, sure, you can do that, then test it buy like a hundred bucks worth us and then see if you can actually get a hold of it and that it actually does hit your wallet and then maybe send it to a different wallet just to be absolutely certain at all costs that these guys are actually going to let you take your own custody because if they don't you don't want to have anything to do with monobank okay so time will tell <clears throat> now Let's dive a bit into the Bitcoin difficulty adjustment with Joshua Sheaton from BTC Times. As Bitcoin underwent its largest downward difficulty adjustment in history, miners may have rejoiced. The 27.9% reduction in difficulty makes mining easier and therefore more profitable for current miners. The drop corresponds with the largest amount of miners being pushed offline in China in recent weeks. This difficulty level determines how difficult it is for miners to solve the computational puzzle required to find a Bitcoin block. The more hash rate the network gains, the faster the blocks can be mined and vice versa. Every 2016 blocks 
or roughly every two weeks, the difficulty is therefore automatically adjusted based on the current hash rate. This seems simple, but its importance cannot be overstated. While Satoshi combined many previous innovations in the creation of Bitcoin, the difficulty adjustment is unique to the protocol alone. China's broad crackdowns on the mining industry and the corresponding exodus of miners from its borders have led to a drop of more than 60% in hash rate since mid-May highs. Hash rate measures the total compute power participating in mining blocks. Thus, a low hash rate typically corresponds with less active miners. Hmm. Until very recently, China has long been the global leader in Bitcoin mining. Previous estimates show China holding 65% of Bitcoin's total hash power at one time. Things have changed quickly since May, when a sweeping series of crackdowns began taking much of that hash power offline within the country. The previous two difficulty adjustments were also downwards due to dropping hash rates in China, with a 16% reduction on May the 29th and another 5% reduction on June the 13th. Leading into last weekend, this historic drop was widely expected. One of Bitcoin's most prominent features is its fixed supply of 21 million coins released on a predictable and uninterruptible schedule. In order to adhere to this schedule, the network must ensure that a new block is mined roughly every 10 minutes on average. The difficulty adjustment allows for natural regulation when it comes to keeping the blocks roughly 10 minutes apart. Miners compete to create these new blocks by solving computational puzzles required to find a Bitcoin block. When a new block is mined, the miner responsible receives a fixed reward in Bitcoin, thus increasing the total supply of coins in the network. Every 2016 blocks, approximately every two weeks, an adjustment is made based on the average time it took to mine the previous 2016 blocks. If the blocks take less than 10 minutes on average, hash power is likely high. This means many miners on the network competing, decreasing the time it takes to mine a block. In response, the difficulty adjustment will rise for the next period. If blocks take more than 10 minutes on average to mine during a difficulty period, hash power is likely low, meaning less miners are competing. In this case, the difficulty will fall for the next 2016 blocks. This way, Bitcoin's average block time of 10 minutes is ensured. Since the adjustment, block speeds have increased considerably. The median confirmation time was up to 26 minutes before the adjustment, but has dropped all the way down to just 9 minutes since. This means that miners are seeing large boosts in revenue, which has been echoed by sentiments on Twitter. And the Wolf of All Streets has a tweet here. This is Scott Melker. My daily Bitcoin mining revenue jumped about 50% yesterday after the difficulty adjustment. So wheat. Some miners were, that were previously unable to compete, such as those with older mining rig systems, can now mine more efficiently. An increase in hash rate over the next few weeks as they come back online is therefore possible. This would lead to increased competition and eventually begin to drive up the difficulty again. There are still open questions as to when the hash rate will fully recover, but until then, Bitcoiners are enjoying what they see as a major victory for the protocol, and they end it with a Anthony Pompliano tweet. China kicked 90% of miners out of the country. This was the largest nation-state attack against Bitcoin in history. The network naturally adjusted the economic incentives to address the challenge and kept running securely with 100% uptime, bitches. Bitcoin is unstoppable, and that's... The whole point of why I love the difficulty adjustment. There's so much, there's so much that I, I just absolutely adore about Bitcoin. But I got if somebody said, name your number one favorite function of Bitcoin, and it's the difficulty adjustment. And I'm talking internal function, not external functions here. The, my favorite internal function of Bitcoin is the difficulty adjustment. It's absolutely beautiful. And even though that I, it, it, it's proven itself time and time and time and time and time again, it, it always works. Yet still, man, my stomach was a little queasy on this particular one because we haven't seen a drop like this in a couple of years. And it kind of, I got to admit, man, as long as I've been here since 2015, I've seen a lot of shit, but this one kind of threw me, man. I was like, I don't know, man. And it made me start really kind of thinking about, can somebody game this? 
I've thought about it before, but you don't, how much mental energy do you impart to something until a crisis actually occurs about it, right? So I, this, you know, particular thing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a crisis, but it definitely made the hackles on the back of my neck stand up. And I think, honestly, I, I think that this would be the place that a nation state is has the only you know they they only they can only see a target in bitcoin as the the difficulty adjustment because it takes 2 weeks so let's say they let's say that somebody gets really nasty and starts really fucking with you know putting the hash rate online and then pulling it off like you know at different times during the difficulty adjustments like right before they I don't know, they jack it up or they pull it off and then after it drops, they put it back on, maybe in the middle of the difficulty adjustment, like, you know, around like a thousand, what would it be a thousand and seven thousand and eight blocks, somewhere around there, and they start messing with it there on either side of a difficulty adjustment. Then, you know, like what would happen? you'd have a bunch of people start saying the only way to save Bitcoin is to go into the protocol and change the difficulty adjustment to go every one week instead of every two weeks or every, you know, 1,008 blocks instead of 2016. That's a protocol level change. I'm going to say no. That's like increasing the block size. It would not surprise me if there's not, we, we had the block size civil war, it would not surprise me one bit at all if we see a difficulty adjustment war. I'm, be prepared for any of this shit. But if there was ever a place, if there was ever a place that a nation state attack could get its hooks into, into Bitcoin, it's probably around the difficulty adjustment and I don't think it's going to work. I just don't. But that may be the only point of attack that they have. So we'll have to watch this and watch it very, very closely as Russian lawmakers prepare legal amendment to confiscate your Bitcoin. Yay, Helen Parts tells us about it from Cointelegraph. Russian, or sorry, Russian lawmakers are working on new legislation that would allow the government to confiscate cryptocurrencies, according to a senior official. Russian prosecutor General Igor Krasnov claim that the government is now developing a set of amendments to the country's criminal code to allow authorities to seize crypto obtained from illegal activity, local news agency TASS reported. Speaking at a conference of prosecutors' offices in uh, of, Europe, sorry, of European countries on Wednesday, Krasnov stressed that cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have been increasingly used for corruption and bribery. No, no it hasn't. No it hasn't. Stop that shit. The official said that cryptocurrency is also a tool for laundering embezzled budget funds. The criminal usage of cryptocurrency poses a serious challenge in our country, Krasnov said. He claimed that Russia's adoption of new, sorry, Russia's adopted crypto law on digital financial assets, or the DFA, has played a critical role in tackling this problem, but new criminal code amendments would bring additional protections. Quote, this would allow the application of restrictive measures and confiscation of virtual assets, Krasnov stated. Yeah, like that ever stopped Russian government officials from taking people's shit before. According to some local industry experts, no amount of legislation would make it possible for the government to actually seize crypto assets. Nikita Shoshnikov, a former senior lawyer at Deloitte CIS and director of Alpha Cash, told Cointelegraph that it is obvious that digital assets kept in wallets would be impossible to confiscate like any other type of assets. However, there is already one landmark case where the FSB officers were found guilty for accepting bribes and the court formally seized 0.1 and 4.7 BTC as state revenue, he noted. I'm not sure what seized 0.1 and 4.7, I guess, from two different wallets of, of Bitcoin. Anyway, Sashnikov <clears throat> said that Russia started developing proposals for confiscating crypto back in 2019, years before the DFA law was even adopted. Quote, the prosecutor's general's office remains the key stakeholder of the project. And in such context, the current statement is a mere confirmation of agreed plans, he said or added. 
Formerly a deputy chairman of Russia's investigative committee, Krasnov became the country's prosecutor general in early, early 2020. Since that appointment, he has been a vocal opponent of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Last year, he claimed that cybercrime in Russia is often facilitated through crypto and has seen a 25-fold increase since 2015. Last October, Krasnov said that Russian civil servants would be required to declare crypto assets on an equal basis with other assets. Krasnov's renewed efforts to fight crypto-enabled corruption in Russia come months after United States President Joe Biden's administration sanctioned him for prosecuting Russian opposition and anti-corruption leader Alexei Navalny. According to local investigations, Krasnov has himself been involved in some controversy related to, you guessed it, corruption. I mean, you're in the government. Of course you're corrupt. Doesn't matter what government. All right, <clears throat> Helen Parts is writing this one also for Cointelegraph. Compliance is a journey, says Binance CEO amid regulatory scrutiny. Amid intensifying concerns over Binance's global regulatory issues, the company's CEO and co-founder and founder, Shengpeng Zhao, has underscored the exchange's commitment to cooperating with regulators. In an open letter on Tuesday, Zhao emphasized that the cryptocurrency industry has massively evolved over the past four years since Binance's launch, while there is still a lot of regulatory uncertainty around crypto. In response to the growing regulatory hyper-focus, the CEO shared Binance's key principles, including its willingness to work with financial authorities in order to be a positive contributor. Zhao said that the crypto industry still lacks clear regulatory frameworks in several countries, noting that more regulations are, in fact, positive signs that an industry is maturing. The executive elaborated that clear regulations provide a foundation of adoption as more people feel safe to participate in crypto, adding, quote, compliance is a journey, especially in new sectors like crypto. The financial industry ha still has a lot of uncertainty. We also recognize that the growth comes with <clears throat> more complexity and more responsibility. In quote, Zhao reiterated Binance's commitment to bending the knee, I'm sorry, to partnering with regulators and the company's approach to handling the growing popularity of its platform, including actively hiring and placing more systems and processes to protect their users. The CEO mentioned that Binance has grown its international compliance team and advisory board by 500% since 2020. Oh, I like the metric. Including appointments from major global regulators like the Financial Action Task Force. Zhao noted that Binance has been actively implementing anti-money laundering policies on its platform, cooperating with crypto intelligence firm CypherTrace, to ensure further protections. Quote, we are learning and improving every day, Zhao wrote, outlining Binance's ultimate goal as increasing freedom and inclusion for a better human society. Quote, we firmly believe that our industry will benefit society through the creation of inclusive financial opportunities, the CEO concluded. Zhao said that the company welcomes more constructive guidance to help the exchange grow better. The news comes as Binance faces major scrutiny from regulators around the world, including from the United Kingdom, Japan, Canada, the United States, Thailand, and the Cayman Islands. Growing concerns over Binance's regulatory status have already triggered some consequences for users, including an upcoming suspension of bank transfers to the platform and banks like Barclays stopping payments to Binance. So there you go. Shang Peng Zhao, CZ, bending the knee, just like we knew he always would. This is the problem with exchanges. And this is one of the reasons why I hate trading because trading keeps these exchanges. Oh, okay, wait a minute. I hate exchanges and I uh, hate trading because they enable exchanges. And I hate fucking altcoins because they enable trading, which enables exchanges, which hold people's Bitcoin, which can be confiscated. If you have any, any assets, even if you're a shit coiner, get them off the damn exchanges. Then sell, then put the altcoins back, sell them to BTC, and then get that shit off the exchanges and stop trading. I've just talked about the fact that the difficulty adjustment may be the only toehold that anybody might ever even have to internal using an internal mechanism of Bitcoin to actually jack with the system. The exchanges are the most dangerous externality that Bitcoin could even possibly have. 
It's the one that causes the volatility. It's the one that enables shit coins. CZ is one of the worst actors when it comes to listing shit coins. That and Coinbase. Between the two of them, they've listed almost every one of the 8,500 piece of garbage on fire coins that you could ever own. And because of the trading and because of the DeFi, because of all this, we're still sitting over here sucking swamp water at $34,000 a Bitcoin when if there, none of that shit was happening, yes, I know you're screaming, but price discovery, but price is, fuck it. Price discovery can also occur when somebody says, I will sell you this one stick, eight foot stick of two by four for 100,000 Satoshis. That, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is also a form of price discovery. I don't need some idiot sucking on Hot Pockets in his mom's basement at 13-year-olds trading on Kraken and causing Dogecoin to become a dollar. Right? None of this shit makes sense. Exchanges are one of the worst things that could have ever happened. However, I'm not naive. That shit was inevitable. And are they going to go away? No, they're not which means altcoins aren't going to go away, which means DeFi isn't going to go away, all right? I mean, DeFi still has yet to actually do anything functional at all. I mean, at least Dogecoin was fun and sponsored a race car and a bobsled team. By God almighty. Let's end it with, I guess it could be good news. I'm no longer a party guy. I, you know, identified as a Republican for a long time and, now I don't really give a shit. This guy that we're going to talk about is a Democrat, but he does seem to have a soft place in his heart <clears throat> for our favorite ear of corn. Bitcoin mayor candidate Eric Adams wins the New York Democratic primary. Congratulations, dude. Scott Cipollina has it for Decrypt.co. Brooklyn Borough President and Bitcoin Advocate Eric Adams has won the Democratic mayoral primary in New York City per election results released yesterday. While on the campaign trail last month, Adams vowed to make New York City into a center of Bitcoins. That's an actual quote. We're going to bring business here. We're going to become the center of life science, the center of cybersecurity, the center of self-driving cars, drones, and the center of Bitcoins with an S. Adams said while at a campaign watch party for in-person voting results, Adams is not a newcomer to Bitcoin. Speaking at an event in 2015, he described it as a disruptive technology, announcing that I want Bitcoin, I want Airbnb, and I want marijuana dispensaries. But how will New York compare with a cryptocurrency hub already set in motion in Miami? We, well, we call that competition. What do you call it? Speaking at an event last month, Adams complained that Miami is beating New York in business. The city's mayor, Francis Suarez, has already spent months making Miami America's crypto hub. Miami recently hosted a Bitcoin conference that brought the cryptocurrency's loudest and proudest advocates to the city to make their case for the asset. In January, Mayor Suarez said about building his own cryptocurrency team and hosted many publicized meetings with high-profile crypto players like the Winklevi. In February, Suarez told Decrypt that he planned to personally buy some cryptocurrency of his own. One month later, he bought some Bitcoin and then immediately started shitcoining, but went cold on the idea of dabbling in Dogecoin. In other words, if Eric Adams wants to make New York the center of Bitcoins, he has to face up to some stiff competition down south, but he could find some support from former presidential candidate Andrew Yang. And I don't know what they mean by ending the, the article on that, but that is, in fact, where they end it. It's also the end of the morning roundup. Let's get over this hump day with a joke from Dad Says Jokes. Very disappointed to find out that the universal remote control I bought does not control the universe. Not even remotely. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. That one, <coughs> that's two jokes in one. Because you could very, very easily just say, very disappointed to find out that the universal remote I bought does not control the universe. End it there. That's a terrible bad joke all by itself. But the double tap to the head where it says not even remotely, dude, that's assassination level dad 
joke right there, guys. So <clears throat> it is Wednesday, I guess. Is it Wednesday? I don't know. I'm losing track of time over here in my whole, yes, it is Wednesday the 7th, um, hump day. I guess we'll just have to get over it. <laughs> Another dad joke for you. Uh, I don't know. Is If there's anything that I missed, like that was really, really important that I covered that I did not cover, if you guys could start DMing me on Twitter or something and say, hey, you should have you covered this story because you didn't say anything about it. It completely went over your head. Um, you know, DM me. My DMs are open at B-E-N-N-D-7-7. If you want to help a brother out, listen to the show on the Breeze Wallet, B-R-E-E-Z. Yes, they have a podcasting app in the wallet. You can stream me Satoshis. I'll stream you my dulcet tones, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.